everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Interruptions. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, we call our podcast Interruptions because we believe that there's a magical space between an incident or something occurring and our reaction to that occurrence or incident. We call that space, that time in between, we call that our interruption. And we on the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team believe that if you have the appropriate tools to engage positively during that interruption, that's when the magic can happen. That's when we can yield those positive results that we all want and hope for. I'm Latrice Ferguson, and today's episode is a part of our GT Love series, Living Our Values Every Day, where we're taking a deeper look into our newly articulated institute values, of which there are nine. I am super excited to chat with a few of my community members today, Rachel, Yvette, and Brian. Hello, you guys. How are y'all doing? Hello. Hey. Hi. Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. My name is Rachel, as Latrice pointed out, and I work for the Workplace Learning Professional Development Team. I am a PhD student who is interested in leadership, specifically like inclusive leadership, which is uh, values driven. So I'm excited to be part of this conversation today. All right, cool. Thank you, Rachel. Let's do this. One got to go. Good credit, no taxes, no student loans or perfect body. No student loans. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you say that. Why? Why did I pick that one? Yeah. <laughs> because then I could actually buy my beach house. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't have my student loans and then, um, yeah, wor- work on the other things, I guess. But we'll always have to pay taxes regardless. But then they would go if one right. got to go. One got to go. Like, clearly well, how do we pay get for the... our infrastructure? If one has to go... <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yvette, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, thank you. So my name is Yvette, Yvette Francis. I'm a part of the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team. I've been at Georgia Tech for eight years. I am not a PhD student, but I like to learn. I'm a lifelong learner. Yeah, that's me. That's a little bit about me. All right, one gotta go. How about that? Taxes all day. No, not that one. I'm gonna give you. Oh, okay. Give me some. Give me something else. Strawberries, pineapples, grapes, or apples. Pineapples. I think they have the most sugar and don't serve as well as the other ones as it relates to health. Yeah, they're fruits. They're all good, right? But if you're looking for a better fruit, it wouldn't be pineapples. Have a lot of sugar in it. It's still natural sugar, but it still has a lot. It's very sweet. <laughs> Obviously. All right, see. Yeah. Brian. <laughs> going, going downhill. They don't want no, t- no student loans, no pineapples. Brian, why don't you tell us a little right. bit? <laughs> so I'm Brian Harbour, the last uh, training generalist on the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team. Did you I say the a- last? The like last of the, the last of us three, oh, or four, okay. you want to, you know, the last of Yvette, Rachel, and myself. I am a master's student in the uh, studying in the same program that uh, Rachel and Latrice are for their degrees, and I I'm from Texas. I'm originally from Texas, and I went to the University of Texas. I hate to always have to say at Austin because I'm like, well, why does it have to be at Austin since that's the main? one um now i'm gonna be a, a bulldog i'm gonna go into uga so we'll see how uh, 
we'll see how that goes. And then Rachel keeps asking on a regular basis, and, and Latrice did the other day, too. Um, aren't you just going to keep going? Aren't you just going to go into the next level? Don't you want your PhD or your EDD or whatever? So, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. All right. All right, what's my one guy to go? I was trying to think of a Texas one guy real quickly, but my mind. Let's do this. Uh, pizza, burgers, fries, or tacos? Fries. Fries? Yeah, I could, I could, I, while I do like a good fry, it has to be the right kind, but while I do like a good fry, I could forgo a fry for a good burger, for a good taco, or for a good pizza. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, thank y'all for indulging me, and thank you for being here talking with us about this topic today. We are talking about our newly articulated values. What are y'all feeling about them? Rachel, what do you think about just having these values? We haven't said what they are, but... What do you think about them? I like them. I'm excited about the values that have been put in place by our strategic plan uh, because I really think that gathering behind these values and having these values underscore what we do here at Tech in terms of our performance, the way we interact with each other, decisions that we make is really having an impact on the culture that we want to create that ultimately you know, impacts our students and it impacts our mission and vision here at Tech. Okay, so you're excited about them. Brian, what are your thoughts? And you don't have to be excited. It's totally fine if you're not. <laughs> no, I think for me, when there was a previous set of, of values, uh, it was a, sh- a bit of a shorter list. They were very succinct. It was just a word. And now we have nine. So, and they're a bit lengthier. Some of them are a little more of a sentence-esque type presentation. So my initial gut reaction was, oh, nine of them. Do we need nine? Like, is that too many? You know, is that overkill? Is that, um, is it just too much to digest as an employee of an organization to think about? But like, like uh, Rachel, I think they are going to be helpful and useful in guiding how we operate, how we interact with one another, how we interact with external groups, and how and what our behaviors look like. So, so I know there's there's some work and discussion around behaviors that are connected to each value. So I think that um, I think that's exciting. So excited and excited may be a stronger word than I would you know would have chosen, but you know there's some level of of interest and excitement around this uh, these sort of guiding principles or, or anchors. I think you've you've used the word anchor before, sort of how we guide ourselves. So I, I like it. Interesting. So we went out. And Yvette, you could take this question if you want, or somebody else can jump in if you rather not. But if we went out on campus and asked people, how are they feeling about our values? What kind of responses do you think we would get? I think that just to keep in, in line with my colleagues, I'll say excited, right? I think the general consensus would be that people would be excited. And I, I think that people are excited not just about the values, but about the campaign. I think it's exciting um, to have something that, you know, is a, is a common language that we can all speak. And it's catchy, right? Love GT. Who doesn't love Georgia? Well, I guess there are people that don't love Georgia Tech, <laughs> at least. But <laughs> the people that stay typically, generally, um, I think, love Georgia Tech or really like it. And so it's something that um, brings us all together, obviously, our anchor, our guidepost. And I think that people are excited about just having like that common language, something that is kind of being woven into all the work that we do. You're hearing about it. You're seeing it everywhere. It's everywhere. You can't miss it. So you can't help but catch on to it because otherwise you're going to get left behind. 
I wonder, is it everywhere? I wonder, and I don't know this to be true or not, but I would imagine in an organization the size of ours, there are probably pockets where people either have not heard or not, you know, it hasn't become a part of the daily nomenclature like it is for us because we are sort of in this work on a day-to-day basis. When you think about those people, sort of what thoughts do you have about that? Or do you even think that that's true? I have a thought about that, and maybe this is addressing those people that you were just talking about, but I haven't experienced this yet, but I haven't also been on campus a lot, but I can imagine just based on experience and whatnot, that there are people out there who's like, okay, here we go again. Here's another set of strategic values, strategies, whatever, been there, done that, seen it, what's what's next? where there isn't a lot of buy-in. But I have to say, and, and I don't know if it's because the values kind of speak to where we were in the past in looking at our students in this idea of innovation and collaboration, but it also speaks to where we are presently and speaks to our current times. And for some reason, for me at least, and for other people I've, t- I've spoken to, it just feels like there's a different electricity around it. I'm forever the optimist, though, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. Have either of you all ever been a part of an organization where you had no idea what the organization valued? No, and I think it's mainly because of the positions that I held, though. If you're in a position where part of your role is to incorporate some of that information into your programming, into how you communicate with other people. Uh, so I've always been aware, fully aware of, you know, whether it was a mission statement, a, a set of values, a vision, just some sort of common language that there was an expectation that people were going to speak uh, or to speak with. I've always been connected to that. So this isn't any different to me. I question, I was thinking about Rachel, as you said that about, oh, here we go again. Here's the next set. I wonder, especially for those people that have been here for quite a while, is that expected though, right? We knew a new president was coming on board. We know that as new pre- as new executive leadership comes on, at least specifically in that position, that it's just expected that there would be something different happening. So is that if there were people with sort of that mindset of, or that thought process of, oh, here we go, here's the next one. Is that a bad thing? Like, was is that is that viewed as, well, we knew this was coming and that was just expected? That's yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, go ahead, Yvette. That's interesting that you would say that. I'm thinking about my eight year tenure here. And I think about what we had before as far as values and how that felt. We spent a lot, um, I felt like, a little bit more emphasis on the goals um, in the last, you know, president's uh, time. But it feels different. And I guess I can only speak for myself, but it definitely feels different in my time being here. And I'm not, we're not on campus, right? But it feels different. It's an interesting point to talk about people that might be saying, here we go again. So, Rachel, yeah, you know, but I wonder for them even, I'm curious, like, does it feel the same as how it's felt before? Or does it feel a little bit different? And the thing is, is that since I've been here at Georgia Tech, I mean, I know we had like the strategic plan, which was powerful and important. And as an organization, I I think we did a good job of showing how we showed up in those particular ways based on the strategic plans. But this is the first time I think that I've been in an organization that focused on so-called values. And I think there is a difference between values, strategies, mission, and vision. And to answer your question, Latrice, yeah, I've definitely been a part of an organization where 
sure, we value the bottom line, right, about making the profits. We valued customers or we valued, sure, we valued students. And that was just kind of like an unspoken type of value. But in terms of very, I don't know the word, concrete values where we define it, this is probably only the second time in, in my long career that I've been a part of an organization that called out values and talks about values. Yeah, it's very interesting to me. I know when we were planning our work in previous years and trying to think about sort of how we would connect our work to the importance of things that were happening around, in and around the Institute, right? Trying to find what is the right thing to connect stuff to was a little bit challenging for us. And so the excitement that you guys described for me is less about the wording in the values, but more about having some sort of common language about what things are important to us. I, I have another question, and that question goes to this idea of, all right, so we have values, right? The next question that we've gotten as I work on the Love GT committee is, all right, so what do you want me to do, right? So some of our values include we value diversity, we celebrate collaboration, we value innovation. And so these are great statements. And so people are asking the question, yes, I get it. I Innovation, yep. Collaboration, yep. Diversity, yep. But what do you want me to do? So the committee has spent some time thinking about what actions and what things that we want to see people doing, right? We're not going to ever be able to list an exhaustive list of you do this, <laughs> you get this, you do this, you get that. But creating some framework for people of what they want, what we want them to do. What do you think the, the challenges and the benefits are for going down to that level of granularity as we try to incorporate the values into our day-to-day -day, um, work? I think it's going to to that point, right? I think in order to create this list, which you, know, you can't have a list of 100 behaviors or, ac or actions for each of those nine values, um, to try to capture as many possible types of work, types of roles, types of people. Um, I, I think, you know, keeping it as high level as possible could be somewhat helpful. Um, I think that one thing that could be potentially more uh, actionable and impactful to people is, okay, what kind of conversations are you having in your team? Uh, what kind of conversations are you having at your department or unit or school level? Uh, you know, if I sit in a school, you know, doing very much direct support of students versus I sit in GTRI where I'm working on a contract for an external person, external group, uh, versus I work in an auxiliary services group, which may or may not have direct contact or support of students. Um, my behaviors may seem or may may be a little different in how I execute those values. So I just wonder what the value would be, no pun intended, what the value would be of what kind of conversation, you know, of having conversations at a lower level, you know, within your teams, within your unit um, subsets of well, what are we going to do? You know, this value of, uh, um, you know, we value diversity. Okay, what does that look like? What does that look like here in our unit? Like we can talk, we can, 
have some behaviors that are actions that are at an institute-wide level, at a very high-level generic, but what are some of the specific things that we're going to do in our roles, in our job? Yeah, I think that's really important as we think about an interruption, right? What can be learned from our experiences um, with these values? I will say that um, through my studies, what I'm learning is, you know, there are these things called espouse values or things that we say we value, right, as a person, as an organization. Um, and then there's what we actually do. And sometimes there tends to be some incongruence in what we say and what we do. And so when you think about that, right, when you really step back and think about our values and think about am I actually living out or even leading out these values every day, it's interesting to think like if I ask you, you'll say, sure, absolutely, I value diversity. Absolutely, right? But what we know for sure is that oftentimes when there is incongruence, we as the person demonstrating it are unable to see it. Other people can see it more quickly than we can. And so my question to you becomes, if you are finding incongruence in other people's behavior, what will you do or what do you do? Be honest. It depends. Yeah, who's the person with the relationship? Okay, it depends on who's the person, your peer, and you have a close relationship, a working mm -hmm. relationship with them. I mean, if it's, if it's a cut and dry, black and white type of incongruency, so for instance, we value diversity, and let's just say that, oh, I wish, you know, someone says something along the lines of, gosh, I don't, I don't even know a good example of this that would be incongruent of it, of, oh, we, we have enough women, we shouldn't hire women because women, blah, 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 blah. That definitely I would call out on, because that to me is a little bit more cut and dry. But then we think about these other values that could possibly conflict with the other values, like for instance, we safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression. And I'm sure that that doesn't mean, you know, we can spout out ignorance and, prejudice and whatnot, sometimes it's not black and white. And, and as you said, some people can see it more so than other people. I don't know, so it depends. Mm -hmm. I think that with your question, Trace, when we were working with the dining team and orienting them to tech, we were talking a little bit about how it seemed like the values complement each other. So Rachel talked a little bit about conflict, but it seems like they kind of help you out with each other. If you find yourself in a space where just kind of giving your example where someone isn't thriving on diversity, then we do kind of look at this idea of we safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression. So then it's an opportunity for me to question myself, to look at myself and say, well, you know, am I going to speak up? Because then we talk about maybe are, are we acting ethically? So it can seem a little um, <laughs> cliche and a, a little bit like, you know, there's something come up and you're like, Students are a top priority or safeguard freedom or, you know, like that, like a little, you know, cheesy. But I find when I'm talking about the value, I found myself in a situation with a peer that wasn't demonstrating, exhibiting a behavior of someone that um, thrives on diversity. Then, you know, I have to do some self-check. I have to ask myself, do I want to practice?
just this idea um, of safeguarding freedom of inquiry and expression for myself and have that conversation. Do I want to sit down with them and talk about it or not? It's a choice that we have to make. And I think that that's what I like about the values that it makes me want to look at myself first, inward first and then outward. Yeah, interesting. It's it's important that when you talk about value congruence or incongruence, there's a, a level of psychological safety that has to be present. There's lots of things that will need to be infused into the culture for people to really be able to live out these values every day. And as people are in organizations and the organizations have these values, it's very nice when they align with your personal values, right? But there may be times when there's just a misalignment of an organizational value with something that you hold dear personally, right? And so we all are different. We all have different views about different things and trying to figure out how to respectfully call out behaviors that don't serve us organizationally is necessary. It's definitely necessary, but it's not easy to do. So if you, you know, if you really think back to when Rachel first started answering the questions, she's like, ah, it depends. Everything's not black and white. Who is it? Is it a peer? Is it a supervisor? Is it someone that has some kind of control over me and can control my fate? Like all of these are decisions that come into play when we are thinking about these things. But values don't become the anchor or the linchpin or, you know, the guideposts until we have the freedom to be able to call out behaviors that don't match those values personally and frankly, organizationally. We can say, I want to value collaboration. That is a value that is super important to me, but my organization is super siloed and there's no way for me to get outside of the, the lane in which I work in. There's no, there's, I haven't figured out how to do that. And there's no organizational structures and things in place that would allow me to do that. So I say all that to say, you know, an interruption could be, as I look at myself, as Yvette has said, or as I am perceiving the behaviors of others, sort of what am I going to do with that space? And what tools do I need in my toolkit to be able to call out something that I don't necessarily agree with and have a productive conversation about that? So my next question to y'all is, of the nine values, do you all know all nine of them by heart? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Rachel's been staring at them for quite such for such like, a long I was, time. I was, I was kind of joking. Um, I keep saying I don't know them all by heart. But is there one in particular that resonates with you? I do like the idea of I do like the safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression. And I think maybe it speaks for me. Maybe it speaks to that idea of being able to feel comfortable and confident enough to speak up whether it's I disagree with how you're behaving, right? If it's if it's not in alignment with what we say as an organization we want to be, or I just have an idea that I haven't been able to get out there yet, or, or I can't get people to listen to me, or I don't understand why we're doing something the way we're doing something. I just see a different way of doing it, better way, a more productive, a more, you know, just a, a, a way to make things better. I don't know, for some reason that one sticks with me. I mean, they're all they're all quite important and they all, 
Yvette, to your point, they complement each other because as we've talked with people about them, they tend to lead into people referencing another one. So I think that's helpful. But I think that inquiry and expression one really does sit well with me. Yvette, do you have one that resonates with you? I know you're going to be like, answer the question. Just give me one, Yvette. So I love we nurture the well-being of our community. It's important for us to take care of ourselves. I think that we're better as a community and can do all of these other things when we take care of ourselves. But that's not the one I want to talk about. Um, we strive for excellence. <laughs> for me, is um, one that I keep going back to as I look at all of them. I wanted to say we champion innovation, but I say we strive for excellence because it kind of reminds me of like when you get for people that get manicures, you have a top coat and you put it on your nails. And I imagine when I look at all of these, it's kind of like the top coat of each of them, right? So if students were a priority, the excellence piece would make them the top priority. That's kind of how I'm seeing it. I think it kind of informs all of them. We should operate with our students in excellence. We should thrive for diversity and excellence. So it's that's the one to me that feels universal for me, only speaking for myself, that if we can try to show up that way as often as possible, these other ones would naturally serve themselves. Rachel, what about you? Do you have a favorite? Uh, just one. Can I change the question? Say the one I'm most surprised about? No. <laughs> the one, what does that mean the one you're most surprised about like i find it oh that's interesting i'm okay i'm surprised working in higher ed for as long as i have oh that's surprising but it shouldn't oh, be surprising well, that's, that's interesting because my next question is which one does not resonate with you but gotcha uh so my favorite one oh just to pick one I, I really like We Thrive on Diversity, especially considering where we're situated. And I, I think it's I think it is a powerful statement that Georgia Tech is infusing that within its values as a spoken value. Um, so that that's my favorite one. Yeah, that's interesting because I like the wording we thrive on diversity. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have diversity. That means to me we don't thrive. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's diversity in all spectrums, things you can see and things you cannot see. Interesting. My next question, go ahead and tell us what surprised you. Now I'm curious, Rachel. And maybe because I, it caused me to scratch my head a little bit, but it, I guess because of our past, it makes sense. But we are responsible stewards. Mm. I've, I've just, I don't know, working in higher ed, I, I haven't heard that language before, but maybe that's because I've always, I, I've been a student in higher ed and I'll just I'll just stop there about my <laughs> experience in higher ed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that one I guess kind of surprises me the most. And and that was the one that when we were working on a couple of our different tools that for the values based learning and and whatnot, that's the one we had to constantly look up and find, okay, well what does this mean? How does this look in terms of like learning and development? That makes me think about, it doesn't surprise me. I think yeah. if we think about, though, I could see, I see where your, your point, but I think if we think about the past three or four years mm -hmm. of activity at tech, the comprehensive administrative review to look at how we're managing or spending and is it directly tied to our students and are we making choices based on what is best for students and so those, that kind of thing makes sense to me, but I could see in absence of that how it will be, hmm, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Which one gives you pause, Yvette? 
any of them? I always have to be the person I just can't follow this. I want to answer your question, but I don't have one of them. I really feel um, I, pretty, I feel pretty connected to them. I'll add this and I don't know um, what it will say, but um, when you asked about past organizations that we work for, I work for an organization that had, they call it the 10 ways to be a winner. And one of them was to enjoy the ride. I've remembered all of those. And so I've spent a lot of time with these values as I designed learning. And I have looked at this a thousand times, trying, not a thousand, that's a story. I've looked a good amount of times looking for like the fun, like the enjoyment, like have fun. I haven't seen that so much. And so maybe there's something there for me. Like I want to have fun at work too. I want to have fun with people. And I don't see that called out, but I, I'm sure, you know, Rachel's great at it. She could build a case for why any of these probably could be that. Um, so that would be what I would say. Yeah, that's interesting. Enjoy the ride. Hmm, I like that. Ryan, what are your thoughts about this? I, I would go back to the real, we are responsible stewards did not surprise me because of some things that have occurred uh, since my tenure here. But when I think about it, and we had a conversation about this a really long time ago when these first came out, like this idea, what does being a responsible steward mean? So for me, and this is where our conversation went in our team was, what are you steward of what? Because in my mind, I kept thinking, well, financial, right? You give me a laptop. I need to make sure that I use that laptop for the intended purpose of work. You give me a, you know, someone gets a P card and they make sure that they're using the P card for work-related appropriate purchases that fit within guidelines. You give me some sort of money or swag or, you know, whatever that is that I'm to give out or distribute in a certain way. I'm responsible in that fiscal way, but I, I hadn't really thought larger than that. Okay, what else am I a steward of? And how does that fit? So it's not that it doesn't resonate with me per se. It's just I, I have to think every time I look at that one, I have to think about what is exactly does that mean? When I look at the as they are listed in order, not that they're necessarily intended to be in a specific order, I guess, but the ethic that we act ethically is right with it is right above it. So I'm like, could we act ethically sort of just cover that, mm. that mm. particular one? If I'm given something, I need to use it appropriately. I'm accountable for my time. I'm accountable for the equipment I have. So yeah, the responsible steward one is the one that kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So these are the kinds of conversations that we hope that everybody around campus is having within their organizations. And when I think about it a little bit, I think like we can let the values be our interruption because sometimes when we're going about our day-to-day -day activities, in times of high stress, in times of competing priorities, multiple things going on. That for me sometimes is a place where I might tend to show up a little less than I would desire. And so if I say to myself, you know what? Am I being a good collaborator? Am I looking around the room and making sure that I'm taking into account all the different perspectives that are in the room or those that are not in the room, noticing and doing something about it. These values can tend to be sort of the interruption for us. And so am I putting out, am I behaving the way I espouse? Am I saying, yeah, you know what? I value innovation or whatever. Am I doing the same old thing that I've always done over and over and over? 
Well, I can look back at these values and I can cause myself to be interrupted to say, hey, you know what? Let's think about this more bigger, more broadly, more boldly. That's really the value in having these things, the common language, something that we all sort of agree on something tangible that we're all measured upon, that we all can be called out upon. It's a, it's a process, right? We can't expect that we roll out these values today. Tomorrow, everybody's using them and everybody's demonstrating all the behaviors that they're supposed to be doing. And magically, our culture has shifted. But this is an exercise that dates back many, 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 many years where organizational development, if you read about it, values, mission, vision, all of that stuff has, you know, now become like the way you start an organization. You got to have your mission. You got to have your vision. It's got to have these buzzwords. So sometimes people will put it on the back burner and like, yeah, you know, that's whatever. We're still going to do what we're going to do. But if we allow these values to really be our interruption and make sure that we are filling that space with positive reinforcements, I think that we will get further in creating the type of culture we want to see um, here at Georgia Tech. Any other things y'all want to say before we wrap up this kickoff to our discussion on our value? I think based on what you just described, Latrice, and I love that, going back to that question about what would you do if you saw somebody who wasn't exhibiting our perception of what behavior or action should be to support these I think in order for us to have that change, in order for everybody, for the organization as a whole to achieve these, and I think Yvette, you may have said this in the past about, it's not that we're necessarily attempting to be perfect at them. We are attempting to get better at them or do better. So if we don't have those conversations, if I'm not willing to step out and say, I saw you have a conversation with so-and-so the other day in the hallway and something you said, it just didn't seem like it fit with the way we ought to be operating. Like, I want to have a, a, a deeper conversation with you about that or in a respectful way, I want to call you out on this. If we don't do that and we don't start to get people to change or uh, the other end of the spectrum, people don't leave. Latrice, you were talking about um, if my personal values are in conflict with my organizational values, at some point, if I can continue to stay within the organization and there is a, a conflict, am I going to cause more problems by staying? Do I need to make that decision or does somebody make it for me that it's time for me to go? It's just not fitting. It's not a fit. And unless we have those courageous conversations, I'm the supervisor of that person. I need to have conversations with them. We need to talk about behavior and performance. Uh, if I don't do that and that person continues to stay, then what's that disruption that they're going to continue to have? And as an organization, if we have too many of individuals like that who were purposely or not even recognizing it in, in themselves that they're not living these values, um, and we don't have conversations around that, then nothing's going to change. And so these nine values listed on a poster on the wall in my office aren't going to mean anything if we don't actually take some action to get people to follow them. Yeah, we say all the time that when you don't correct behavior, you're teaching people that that's the way they should behave. And so I'm not saying we're like the values police where we're going right. out, ah, you're not doing this and ah, you're not doing that, right? It's just a conversation. Like, I'm wondering what were you trying to achieve when X, Y, and Z? I know that I'm not the holder of all the information, but help me to see what I might not be seeing. So just respectful dialogue like that can help other people. I know for me in the moment, I might not be like, oh, you're right. But you best believe I'll think about it. 
I'll reflect upon it. And if it's something major, I'll come back and apologize and say, you know what, that's not my intention. All of those things are the recipes for creating culture that we all want to be a part of. Final thoughts. Yeah. Rachel? Um, go ahead, Rachel. Yeah, and and maybe this will be our next podcast when we in this particular series. But I almost wonder, you know, not only kind of talking with our colleagues and holding each other able, you know, that we're living these values every day. But I can see where some of these values, there might be a disconnect for some people. And you asked us that that particular question and just kind of ruminating and listening to everyone talk. I see the first one, students are a top priority, as a lot of people feeling a disconnect from that. Yes, we are here because of the students. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for the students. But this idea of students as our top priority, you know, I can see how that could feed into Rachel <clears throat> perceives as almost a toxic culture of, you know, maybe there are some folks in student affairs, student life or whatever that feels like, oh, you know, yeah, of course. And you can almost become like a martyr for students. Um, or you can go 40 hours a week and not come across a student other than, you know, trying not to hit them <laughs> mm -hmm. as they're crossing the street. So if I'm looking at students who are top priority, oh, well, I can ignore that value because I don't work with students. So how do we connect better with that? I don't know. That could be a, a different podcast. No, I think it's a point. It's a point well taken, right? Because we as an organization, we know how these values came about, right? So it wasn't mm -hmm. in isolation. It wasn't somebody from on high saying, ah, these are the values. These are collective values that were sort of co-created by lots and lots of people on our campus. And that's where we landed with students are a top priority. It's indicative upon us to say, okay, yes, yeah, we're here because students a lot of us wouldn't be here if those student fees and tuition and all of that wasn't where it needs to be. And so how do I become a part of this community that is really about helping students learn and grow? And I know for me, when I think about that, it re-energizes me, even though I don't see students every day. But I know at the end of the day, I'm equipping other people so that they can make an impact in the student's life. But I totally get what you're saying, Rachel. Um, I think maybe Yvette or someone brought it up earlier where, you know, in GTRI where they have lots of students, they employ tons of students, but they may say, you know, there's a little bit of a difference in where their priorities lie. It doesn't mean students are not a priority, but maybe something else is a top priority. So that's why I think these are fluid. That's why I think we should be talking about them and creating resources so that people can understand exactly what do you, students are a top priority. Okay, what do you want me to be doing? What should I be doing to demonstrate that value? And those behaviors should take into consideration all the ways in which our community shows up students. Yvette, I think you were gonna say something. We'll give you the final word. Well, gee, thanks. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Um, so you guys have, you guys are smart. You some really cool things. I like it. I think that for me, just kind of final thoughts as we saw this um, kick off to the values conversations, because they're going to continue, is again, just this idea of, yes, we should have courageous conversations. That sounds great, and we should do it. Yes, we should see where there are um, disconnects for us or um gives us pause in the values as it relates to us as an individual. And I think that that kind of leads to where I'm going with my point is just really kind of like I was saying before, inward and then outward. So it's great to 
acknowledge where there are opportunities to dialogue with other people about how they show up. So looking at yourself first is really going to give us the most power. We have the most control over it. So really thinking about how do I show up? And if it's because I feel a disconnect or some sense of surprise from a particular value, what am I going to do about that? So yeah, we look inward first, I look inward first, and then I look out and see what's happening around me. And I think that that's going to help us to move again closer to this idea of the culture shift that you know we're talking about. But I feel it. I feel a difference. I really do. Steph, and I think that's a very emotional, intelligent place to come from. But do know that oftentimes we need to have that person that is outside looking at us, helping us to see how others might be perceiving something that we believe is totally congruent. And then somebody else points it out and you're like, ah, that's a trust relationship in and of itself that we want to start building as well. So I absolutely agree. Inward first and then turn your attention elsewhere. Can I add one more thing then? So to your point, which you just said then, maybe this, a part of this conversation for all of us can be a nice reminder and the listeners that when, if and when those conversations happen, perhaps, you know, get a little curious, lean in a little bit to it, right? Instead of leaning outward and the whole defensiveness, which we all naturally do, maybe Mm -hmm. we just kind of, you know, sit with it for a second. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been a riveting episode of Interruptions. This is our um, step into a series of podcasts where we'll be talking with um, various community members around campus about each of these values. So stay tuned and we hope to see you or hear you or talk to you or whatever the appropriate word is for a podcast in our next episode. This has been Latrice, Yvette, Rachel, and Brian. Until next time, thank you so much.